Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundry. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. Nick and I are coming back at you from opposite ends of the country. Uh, That's right. Nick, how are you doing, brother? I wish I could say I'm just like just kicking ass, loving every minute of it. I am struggling with the off season. Actually, I'd love it to be off season now, but I got to get ready for one last race. And you can't slack it, challenge or clash Daytona because all the heavy hitters are looking like they're going to show up. So, oh, and it's going to be broadcast. So I don't want to like shit my pants or anything on live television. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing well. I'm just trying to stay after it, stay healthy. I went to my first horse race, the Breeders' Cup, last weekend, which was pretty insane. Um, in terms of being around majestic steeds and their love of going fast. So that was cool. What's up with you, brother? Yeah, man, I saw you were out there. Uh, nothing really, dude. Um, I mean, I'm going, I've been going stir crazy here just with all the races happening and all the coverage from, from Iron Man on Facebook with uh, Iron Man now being able to watch it. I just really want to get back in the game. And like, I'm like, so it's, I know you're done with the season and you're like, just trying to make it to Clash Daytona, but I know I'm putting it in perspective. I'm like, some people want to race right now and can't. So I've been doing it for, for you, buddy. I've been thinking about that every time I'm like, this is shitty. Yeah. Man. I've been trying to keep her together. Well, I've been living, I've been living vicariously through you, but I've uh, been able to get about 10 K of swimming in a week. Just still just straight pull, but um, it's something and it's, yeah no there's nothing better than the water yeah especially for so. what you're doing um can you do like light core workouts stability planks and stuff like that yeah so actually for running wise i've gotten up to the point where i can run stairs oh so um like that's pretty good i've been, I've been running stairs two to three times a week just like a 25 minute um circuit and adding some push-ups in there just to like yeah. mix it up a bit and uh I've been riding up to some steady, but, uh, yeah, I've been able to, I can do squats. I can do pretty much everything, but lift weights right now, okay. uh, or a lunge is just a little too far. Um, and if, it, if our listeners have just joined in and didn't catch this from before, Garrick has had hip surgery, um, calcified labrum. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So, so bone is getting shaved down. Um, when's your next surgery? The next surgery is the day before American Thanksgiving. So that is November 24th. Okay. So a couple of weeks out from that. And then hopefully Garrick's able to at least put together a couple of sprint triathlons and start over again. in the next um, eight, nine months after that or something, hopefully it's sooner, of course. Yeah. I think judging by the timeline they gave me, I should be back to racing. Like my goal at the end of 2022, I know I've said it on this podcast before, but it's to do an Ironman. So, okay. And not just do an Ironman, but like obviously be competitive, but get through it. Um, kind of a similar experience Jack had there. Well, I'll go to your, your, your finale at the end of this next season. I'll, I'll try to show up fit though. Yeah. Yeah. Not burnt out. Yeah. Um, So in other words, we've been still just working really hard on building the team for next year. Um, obviously we're going to keep moving forward. We've got a, a lot of, a lot of moving parts happening right now. We've got a great 
uh, graphic designer, an artist who's going to help us uh, maybe maybe redesign our logo. Um, he's been generous with his time to help us with that. We might have some new partners coming on next year. Of course, we're going to run steady with Rolf Prima again, since that was a two-year commitment. And obviously, we do love being part of their family and vice versa. Um, I won't announce any of the other big partnerships because we're still waiting on clothing um, or our race apparel to, uh, I guess, finalize. And then I'll be on a new bike next year for sure. I'll announce that after Clash Daytona. Um, Garrick, hopefully we'll get you a new rig here too for when you're back at it. But um, the main reason why this episode is so cool and why it's going to be kind of a quick and dirty episode is because the company called Race Ranger just launched, uh, I believe it was yesterday, and I had him on the podcast, I think six hours before the podcast or before the launch of his product of Race Ranger. So Dylan McNeese and James, I always forget his last name. Let me look it up. Uh, James Elvery. Oh, um, oh. He is, James is the, the gentleman I'm speaking with on the podcast, but okay. how many times have you been racing on your tri bike and you've been like, how, how hard would it be just to put like some small distance finder on the front of my bike so I know how far away I am from the bike in front of me? Have you ever thought about that? I have thought about that. Um, more for the guys behind me, less for the guys <laughs> yeah. in front of me, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so drafting obviously is the redheaded stepchild um, of triathlon where everyone's a little bit pissed about it all the time. And it doesn't seem like anything we do really remedies the issue um, because let's face it, it's a judgment call and referees are doing the best they can to call these penalties. But as we've seen, even in some countries, the standards are just different amongst referees and what they just, what they consider drafting. Right. How many times have you been at a South American race? And sometimes there's just like rampant drafting with an official next to you the whole time. And they just let it happen. Right. Well, I've only ever done draft legal races down south, so every time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough, Garrick. Um, however, it's something I I would love to see at least something change. I mean, look at all the technology we have within our our grasp, and why aren't we using it? So that's why Race Rangers is so cool. The technology. Um, I think I'll preface a bit of this because. James is very, very data driven and very detail oriented. So he talks a lot about, um, you know, the kind of the guts of it, but I want to just preface this and say the, I guess what we can have to look forward to with this tech is just more than drafting. Right. So Im imagine this hypothetical and we'll get into this with the episode, but just quickly, you've got a transponder on the front fork and on the seat tube, the guy in front of you or gal, um, their seat tube will have uh, like a color scheme of lights. And as you approach a certain distance, these lights will do different things to indicate where you are. And with the front fork situation and then that rear light, referees can also have live updates on your number, which corresponds to your tracking data. And they can see how many illegal seconds you have. Let's say you've been you know, riding for 40K and you've already put in you know, 90 seconds of illegal time. They'll watch out for that athlete and then they can actually watch it happen live once they're next to it because i'll just say for sure race ranger still wants to put the referee in charge but they want to give them accurate data to make calls off of so that's all i'll really say um garrick are you excited about a product like this 
Yeah, man, this is like our version of instant replay. I feel like that's kind of what I was thinking of right there. And I do think that, yeah, leaving it up to the referee's discretion, because obviously stuff can happen on course on where you may enter that illegal, um, I guess that draft zone, that big red box. And I don't know, I feel like this might be very beneficial for an athlete like me, who is constantly paranoid of getting too close and always isn't like optimized within that 12 or 20 meters, whatever it is, um, like right on the edge there to get as much benefit as I could get. And I'm always like way back. And it's something I've noticed some guys are just not. And like, they're, I guess it's kind of 50, 50. Like there are guys that I don't want to accuse everyone except for myself of being like pushing the limits, but you definitely see some, some tight packs sometimes. And, um, well, there, there's a definite people who we know we always have to watch out for. And we collectively as pro athletes, we talk about these things before, after races, um, we just see it, but what can we do? I mean, up until now we've been kind of powerless. So the, I think the goal obviously is to just uh, treat this like, you know, you've got a timing chip during the race you pick up and you pack it, this will be the same situation and it's going to be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think let's dive into the episode. Let's hear the details. Um, race Ranger will have a GoFundMe since they are raising capital still. They're in beta testing. And I think the goal is to roll it out small races first and then build, they've already got a package that's scalable. So once it's proven to work well, that's going to go big. So the show notes will have the website for race ranger their gofundme page and if you can pledge a dollar that's just you're voting with your dollar to say this is important to you so if everyone just gave a buck we would all just have a little bit more voting power within that isn't being important yeah all right man without further ado let's roll into it All right. I am absolutely thrilled when, well, actually I'm thrilled to be here speaking with James Elvery, but you won't know that name yet, but it's going to be a very, very popular name along with the company he has been planning to launch by now. It actually probably has launched. So James, what is it? What is the name? G'day. We are launching Race Ranger in uh, five hours. <laughs> no. Seven hours, got to get that right. <laughs> so, not a lot of sleep, just a lot of busyness. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, James and I spoke probably within the last five days, and that's, I think, the first time we've ever spoken. And, and I was just so impressed with what you're doing and what you're launching with, with the implications of Race Ranger that I was like, we, we got to get you on before the launch, try to help get, this, get the message out, tell what, why, when, how. So, first off... James, who are you? Where are you living? What are you doing? What's your background? Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for having me. Um, I do listen to you guys' show. I've been become a, <laughs> a real fan of triathlon the last couple of years, so I listen to every podcast I can get my hands on while I'm driving my car to work. Nice. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, appreciate it. And you guys are my first – this is the first time I've been on a podcast, so, so take it easy on me. But, oh, of um, course. Yeah, I listen to, to me. I have to slow myself down because I listen to most of them at one and a half to two speed. So. <laughs> But me, yeah, I, um, yeah, I've been a triathlete my whole life, uh, except probably the last few years. Um, I started out, uh, yeah, as a, as a top junior in New Zealand. I'm from New Zealand, and raced, yeah, ITU Worlds, 
2001 was my first sort of age group world champs in Edmonton, Canada. Um, came fifth the following year at Junior Elite Worlds in Cancun. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of went into an IQ career from there. At the time, it was ITU, World Triathlon now. And, um, yeah, I, I sort of, I guess I didn't really ever make it right to the top. I sort of was there or thereabouts. On my best, on my best day, I could sort of swim at the front of a big race. And um, if I focused on my biking, I could be pretty strong on the, on the bike. But um, probably the 10K run, um, most of our races were full Olympic distance back then. Um, yeah, I sort of didn't, didn't ever crack that properly. But, um, yeah, I definitely had a lot of fun and, you know, traveled the world, went to 40 countries. Um, wow. Don't, don't, don't have many people who've, um, from New Zealand anyway, who've been to Hungary for three different occasions for different things. So, yeah, had a lot of fun and saw a lot of the world. And, um, yeah, I guess where I, where I got to now. So that was uh, 2012 I, I finished up. I didn't make the uh, London Games for New Zealand. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I came home. And was sort of trying to work out what to do with myself and was, was talking to my good friend Dylan McNeese. Um, and we sort of, he was racing, uh, starting to race long distance at the time. And I gave long distance a go that year, but didn't really enjoy it. It sort of would have taken me a couple of years to kind of adapt back to non-drafting, um, just with the way the race dynamics go. And yeah, he was sort of complaining about drafting in the States. And I was in, in this apartment in, in Paris and um, we sort of messaged each other for about a month and then. I came home and ended up getting a job at Specialized um, Bike Company in New Zealand here uh, within a couple of months. And I'm actually still there now. So I've been there coming up nine years. Something is that, that a big bike company out. or is it pretty, it's pretty, pretty decent? Yeah, it's, so. it's up there. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not in the scheme of uh, you know, companies in the world. It's, it's pretty tiny, but uh, yeah, in the bike world, we're a bit of a big player. So, um, yeah, I've been, been there for nine years. I've done all sorts of roles there, um, sales and marketing, and sort of managed the team for a while. Um, recently moved to the South Island of New Zealand, um, to Wanaka, beautiful place with a famous race here in the tribe world, Challenge Wanaka. I've wanted um, to race that since it's, I've become an athlete. So I have to come. Oh, you got to come. On it. It's perfect. It's beautiful. You can't get a better, better place to race. Okay. Um, yeah, and I guess um, where we sort of got to with, with the whole, him complaining about drafting and, and me wondering what I was going to do with my life at that point was that we decided someone's going to solve this with technology. So we might as well have a crack at doing it. And um, yeah, we, we tried with lasers for a while. Uh, that was in sort of 2013. We found pretty quickly that you needed a uh, very, very powerful laser that was illegal in most countries. Uh, so we scrapped <laughs> that idea. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, next thing we tried was ultrasonic sensors, which are, uh, so they send out a sound wave and the wave bounces off things and it gives you a distance measurement. And uh, yeah, that was, that was quite promising, which you spent some money on that and um, formed a company for the first time. But um, ultimately it didn't, didn't work out because uh, the sound waves bounce off basically everything and um, they can't determine sort of whether it's one rider or another as well. Um, and they also are affected by changes in sort of temperature and pressure and things like that. So um, yeah, we, we had a good go at it, but, yeah, after that, it sort of seemed like a bit of a dream and a nice, nice idea, but too hard to solve at the moment. Um, stop me if I'm rambling on too much, but uh, yeah, I guess the, the main part of the story <laughs> is that, uh, so some of your listeners may remember Laurent Vidal, top French triathlete. Uh, so Laurent was uh, fifth at the Olympics in 2012 and a uh, close, close friend of mine. And I was just sort of training hack for the, for the games that year and, and sort of the years leading into it. Um, and in 2015, at the end of the year, so 2015, 
uh, I got married. I had two weddings, one in France. He was my best man there. And a wedding in New Zealand. And Dylan uh, was my best man in New Zealand. Um, end of that year, he passed away. at a, at a heart problem, unfortunately. Um, and it was about a year after that, uh, around the anniversary, that um, my wife and I were living in Auckland, just wondering, you know, how do we kind of get ahead in life? Uh, we've got kind of good jobs, but we're starting a family. And how do we get comfortable? And it seemed that the only real way to do it is to sort of have your own business of some sort. But we couldn't really find something that was worth going after. So uh, we, we thought about doing a bakery or things like that. But then this moment, she, she basically said to me, what about this drafting thing? Why don't you just bloody do it? What would Laurent do? And he was the kind of guy who would never leave you know, any stone unturned. Um, he lived by the Adidas slogan of, you know, they didn't know it was impossible, so they did it. Or, you know, impossible is nothing. And he really did sort of believe that. So I, I sort of thought, shit, what would he do? And I, I spent basically two months online at night um, researching wireless tech forums and radar and radio and all sorts of things I had no idea about, not at all an engineer myself, and came across this technology that seemed to look like it might be able to do it. Um, and yeah, that was the start of 2015, uh, 2017. So now we're coming up, well, actually, to be honest, today is the day um, of uh, Lon's anniversary, the 10th of November. So it's six years today, seven years today, he passed. And uh, wow. yeah, six years since we've been working on this. Did, did you plan to launch that close to it? Honestly, not at all. I had had planned to do it last week. Um, and it wasn't driven by the date at all. Uh, it was just sort of worked out well for our plans. And then I started telling people about the 10th and, uh, you know, booked some things for it. And then I just sort of put two and two together eventually. And um, yeah, it was quite a, quite a scary moment, but uh, it's really nice to, to think he's with us and, uh, hoping that we'll succeed in our project. So. Well, if the, the tech and we haven't really gotten down to the, to the why yet, but that's probably what needs to be um, explained next is, you know, why did you create this project problem? I guess initially because we've all seen and heard and complained about and felt the effects of uh, whether deserved or not of, of drafting, drafting penalties, inadequate ways of calculating distances based on just a judgment call, which is, controversial in itself we're talking about in some cases multiple thousands of dollars for an infringement which could take you out of the race which is based on somebody's opinion which it could be within 50 percent or zero percent you know accurate so that's the yeah. that's what you're ultimately looking to do is give the referees who are um the marshals on course the power to have better calling abilities whether it's legal or illegal in terms of drafting passing etc and you went through the full data package with me and i'll tell you what like the tech in a nutshell I, if you can explain it so you know folks could understand it without having to have some sort of a wireless technical degree outside of just <laughs> knowing how to swipe up for your iphone uh cool. hit us yeah i'll do a quick overview of what we're doing so yeah, obviously, there's a number of issues with drafting, which most of your listeners are probably pretty familiar with. Um, and pretty early on, we, we sort of figured out that to make a product to sort of address the problem, um, it would have to work for not just the pros, but also the age groupers to be you know, viable as a, as a business um, you know, and worth all the time and effort to do it. So that's something that's sort of quite important for us all the way through is it's got to be applicable to, to both and usable for professionals and age groupers. So the age groupers should be happy about that. Um, and I guess 
yeah, we went down a whole lot of rabbit holes on what did and didn't work, but with uh, is a system that measures the distance really accurately between the bikes. So each rider is given two devices before the race, which they attach to their bikes. And uh, by the time this comes out, if you head to our website, raceranger.com, there'll be some you know, images there of what they look like. But uh, they just a sort of a circular device. One goes on your front fork and one goes on the seat post where you basically attach your race numbers currently. Um, the rear one has a light facing backwards, a bike light. So as you approach someone from behind, uh, as you're catching up to someone, uh, that rider that you're looking at up the road, the light on the back of their bike turns on and that gives you the indication as to how close you are. So you're, where you're already looking, uh, if you're chasing, let's say, Jackson up the road, uh, as you get sort of within range of him, his lights will come on and, and those lights will give you a guide as to how close you are. Um, and this measurement of distance is super accurate. So we've got a 10 centimeter accuracy, even at sort of 30 meters apart. And those measurements are being taken up to 10 times per second. So a really real time and super accurate distance measurement, which is quite a bit better than, you know, both the referees naked, I guess, but also the athletes guess, which we're currently comparing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we ended up with. And that's sort of the first part to it. It gives both the athletes and the referees a really accurate gauge of that distance. And the second part is that it connects the, to the referees remotely. So the referees um, have a tablet mounted on the back of the driver in front of them, and they receive data from the bikes as to any illegal time that's going on out there around them. Uh, so they don't have to be right there anymore watching exactly what's going on. Because you know half the problem now is there's only so many referees on the course, so they can't be everywhere at once. I think we did some maths and there's around you know, one referee per 100 to 150 riders generally at best. Uh, and then you've got, um, you know, the, you can hear them, hear them coming as well. So if they were, you know, even a kilometer behind you, watching you on a tablet and then could make a decision off that, whether they want to apply a penalty straight away through the app or approach you and, and have a better look, maybe just communicate you and give you a warning. Um, yeah, that's a much better situation than we've got right now. So. Okay. So, so far you've tested it, you've built it, you've prototyped it. This baby's ready to go. Um, the launch is going to be very soon. And then how soon would this product, which obviously I have to ask a lot more about to dig it more in depth, but how, how soon will it be available? Sure. So um, where we're at with it is we are coming up to our first uh, sort of event trials. We were going to have um, the goal is around 20 pro athletes. If we can find a local race with that many in it. Um, so we make about 20 of these current prototypes that we have and put them on a race uh, and to basically get feedback from the athletes on and the referees on the system. We've tested it ourselves, but we need to really get it in a, a real race situation. And so we decided to go out sort of this week, um, about a month ahead of when we're looking to do those trials to, I guess, just take the focus, get this out of the way so that we can focus on the testing when, it, when it's coming. Um, and yeah, I guess we're going to do those trials take feedback from them at that point we won't have the connection to the referees live we'll just have the light system going um, but the hardware to do that next part is, is all in, in the devices ready to add um, and yeah I guess the, the stages are our sort of plan is for 2023 uh, sorry 2022 we spend most of the year um, sort of scaling it up so testing it on bigger and bigger groups refining it we're probably going to get some feedback we already had 
one great piece of feedback from uh, Jan van Berkel, the Swiss, Swiss athlete who's a lawyer. He pointed out straight away, oh, you can't have flashing blue or red lights anywhere near a road in Switzerland, which was news to us. So uh, we'll, we'll pick up other things like that along the way. But uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, in startup land, you uh, sort of the, the mantra is, you know, get your product out there as quick as you can. You should always be sort of a bit embarrassed by your first product. Um, hopefully we're not too embarrassed by, by how it goes, but we sort of felt that we'd reached a point in development where what we have is, is sort of acceptable in sort of the size and shape. Um, previously, uh, they were quite large and they were sort of, everyone would have shook their heads at them and said, I don't want that thing on my bike, but uh, yeah, this is our first thing we think we can put out there and we definitely can improve from here, but refine it through next year. And then, you know, if things are going quite well, then, Potentially uh, 2023, we could be ready to scale it up to, you know, full fields. Yeah. And I think the, the applications within the race could even be, you know, a little different um, based on what I was thinking, how it worked. Um, and I think you maybe even mentioned this to me. So that's why I'm thinking of it. But I think you were saying that not everyone would probably want to have this or maybe it's mandated at the race. Like there's really a, cu and a cu couple of ways you can... I guess, individualize the package to where this could work within a race environment. So maybe in South America, I've noticed people just don't care about drafting at all. So for those circumstances, maybe they're just like, um, maybe we're just going to opt to give it to people who want to go fast and the penalties matter. <laughs> um, so sure. otherwise it's just like a race mandate. Everyone has to have it. And, and I think that that'd be cool. Cause then if nothing else, it just provides a visual because what I've noticed is on the course, there's no referee around. You see a couple people riding close together, then they're like st slowly skews your thoughts on it because everyone's doing it. And then it creates these super packs. So just having the reminder, just like when you've got like a flashing light on the speed, uh, speed sign on the side of the road, like you pay more attention. So I, I don't know. I just, this tech, when it hit me and your idea and the funniest thing, and I was going to say this earlier, it's probably been like four years from like every time I'm on my bike, I'm like, how could I exactly know how far I am away from this person? And I'm like, <laughs> you'd have to have like a laser or something. And you quickly dismiss that. Or you're like, Oh fuck lasers. Uh, they won't work. Uh, and I was like, all I was thinking, I was like, I just need a laser and I need a flashing light. I was thinking this big bulky thing, but to know that you all have taken that and then greatly expounded upon that's huge. Um, and then also like, what about some other applications in terms of positioning for broadcasts or live actual data, or you could actually connect to ANT plus power meters and get, you know, real-time GPS or, or power data, heart rate data. So what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, we've, uh, we sort of had heaps of ideas on the way for sure. And, um, but we, we try to sort of narrow our focus wherever we can so that we stay focused on you know, getting the simplest product we can to initially. And then, add things later uh, everything you oh i'm just like a kidney candy store right i know you're you just yeah i know you're just talking about the basics <laughs> right now but i just i think yep. that what you can do with this is crazy i'm just chomping at the bit uh, definitely i mean for sure you can apply it to the the motorbike situation with um you know both in triathlon and at, at uh you know pro cycling the mm -hmm. motorbikes affecting the dynamics of races i've experienced that myself uh many times in france so um <laughs> is that and then uh you know, we, we see another application across the, you know, pro cycling with um, the time trial stages is, is basically a replication of what you guys are doing, but they set them off uh, at three minute intervals so that they don't get too close to each other. 
Um, so you could potentially make time trials more exciting um, if uh, you know if they were allowed to go closer. There'd be a lot more passing going on. Um, and then um, yeah, I guess uh, an idea I've had that I'm I'm sort of still sort of working on is uh, so sort of mixing the digital and the physical world. So if you had these these Zwift and I think it's Ruby and some of those other sort of companies that are doing these digital cycle training worlds, you could potentially bring the data in uh, and and replicate what's actually happening in the real world. So you could be sitting there watching the say the Tour de France, and while meanwhile the rider's data is being collected and and fed into your your Zwift, so you could actually be racing against them virtually in Zwift while also watching them in real time on the road and try and keep up with them. Racing um, to severe handicap, of course. Yeah, yeah. Or you might need to be on an e-bike to keep up. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess there's yeah, plenty of different applications for it. We're, we're pretty focused in on the, the drafting problem as our first thing we want to solve. Um, quite easy to add live, uh, live tracking to that um, afterwards. We actually didn't do that initially because we felt that uh, it was quite easy to do and, and surely someone was doing it properly by now. But uh, yeah, still doesn't seem to be... Um, sort of widely available for, for races. Nobody knows where the so, hell um, anybody yeah. is on, on any iron mm. iron distance event ever. Mm. Yeah. So um plenty of ideas, but uh yeah, sorry I haven't get been getting much sleep and losing train of thought a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well regardless of where your head may be right now, it's gonna get another dose of adrenaline when you guys go live and you know, what is it, what does that look like to launch a product? Do you just work through news organizations, Velo Press, et cetera? Do you have you approached, uh, you know, GTN or GCN? Yeah. So, um, hopefully it all comes out in the next few days, but, uh, yeah, I guess that's the one part of the job that I can actually do quite well, uh, well to, to a certain point. I've had a bit of experience with that specialized. So nice. um, we launch products all the time and are sort of familiar with how it all works and, uh, um, yeah, I guess we just started reaching out to media about 10 days ago and I think probably about 25% responded. So, uh, oh, yeah, that's good. Get, a, get some good, uh, news happening and, um, yeah, we, we launched a website repost and retweets. That's what you can expect. Yeah. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we turn on all the social medias tonight and, um, yeah, websites goes live and some launch videos and stuff. So, uh, yeah, just basically we need, uh, we're trying to get support behind us. We, it's obviously still a, a concept. It's not a product that's making money. So for it to become, um, you know, a business and something that is around in 10 years time, I guess, uh, we do need it to, as I say, sort of work for the whole sport. So we need sort of everyone to, I guess, understand it and, and get behind what we're doing as we, um, so is, it, is this fundraising of, yeah, part right now? It's just fundraising for the next year. We are still fundraising. Yeah. We've, um, we've raised some money recently. Um, we didn't quite raise the full amount we we're looking for. Um, and you know, that's part of what we're doing is take off some more milestones. So if we're going out with a PR launch and we get support from the wider community in the, in the trial world, that's mm-hmm. awesome. That's a topic. If we, uh, you know, run some public trials and they go well. Um, and yeah, from there, we sort of would like to start engaging properly with the event companies, you know, your challenge, your Ironman and, and those kind of guys. So, yeah. Um, I should that say makes... the uh, yeah the press release tonight will come out from uh, from World Triathlon, so they've been really involved oh. from the start. Yeah. Okay, so so let's just say th- those could be your biggest and earliest investor, or in terms of you know race mandates. Uh, probably not or... so much an investor, but you sort of general or customer. Uh, I'm sorry, customer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that that so that'd, the, that'd the way the business start. works is uh, 
yeah, we'd uh, deliver the service at events just like a timing company. Should probably explain that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'd uh, retain ownership of the devices, take them back off the bikes after the event while uh, the athletes are running. While you're running, they'll get unclipped from your bike. And um, yeah, clean them up and head to the next race. They're all wirelessly recharged and uh, yeah, as tamper proof as possible. So we've, the we've fee, had a long time thinking about the it. The fee so, for uh, losing one of them will be like $6,000. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess we have to come up with a number for that, but we don't exactly know what they're going to cost yet just with um, COVID uh, disruptions to the supply chains. Mm. But um, yeah, that's probably how it would work if you if you lost it or melt it in the microwave or something. It would um, be charged <laughs> for it. Yeah, yeah. triathletes probably would do that by accident. I'm not sure how, but it <laughs> microwave some timing chips here and there. <laughs> um, yeah. So we we're absolutely hoping for the best um we'll i'll do a pre-show um we will have already talked about it with jackson and garrick and we'll kind of shed some light on cool. some of our personal experiences with just being so pissed and hearing other <laughs> athletes be pissed i think i think i lost more time in a group once on a i think it was iron man chattanooga because somebody had got a penalty and it was it was like sitting up over the next 10 or 15 minutes and arguing with the ref and we just kept having mm. this surge forward and backward so man, it just disrupts any anything. Um, so mm. to be able to mo- adequately monitor something that just seems so common sense, like it's just it's crazy that we haven't done it yet, right? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's amazing all the, the technology that's out there in the world. When you look at it, yeah, you, you think of you know, was it uh, SpaceX landing rockets standing up on boats and things like that? It's, yeah, surely we can sort this little problem out in our sport. <laughs> there has to be some trickle down technology uh going on here yeah, yeah you'd hope so um so so what we'll do is we'll definitely do a follow-up with you um and see how things are going later on cool. uh, or hopefully early next year at least to see what the what the buzz has been like and hopefully we've got some cool tech floating around that's getting more and more buzz so we look forward to hearing you well race rangers the name we'll put the name um or the website and most of this information in the show notes for you, but that's about it. You should just go ahead and give, give a uh, race ranger about a thousand bucks each listener. And <laughs> we actually do have a GoFundMe page set up. So uh, it's a okay. donation site. You can find it through our website. So uh, oh, yeah, it's more, I guess, I guess, yeah, it's great. It's great to get donations, but uh, I guess it, it shows support. It's real support. So if people, you know, if you, if you give us five bucks, that's, that's one more head count that, you know, are supporting us that we can say to, you know, investors or, you know, these event companies, Hey guys, people are behind us here. This is something that they really want to see solved. So, yeah. Yeah. As, as we say in America, vote with your dollar. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's pretty true. Yeah. Yeah, But go ahead, give them a buck, give them a couple bucks. And that that's just your vote saying we support you. So thanks a lot uh, for coming on again and for all your hard work. I'm sure it's not been cheap or you've been rested at all clearly you haven't <laughs> uh, but but again you're you're doing good work buddy thanks for coming on the show appreciate it thanks mate all right i got ish to do flying through the sky in my parachute dancing on the couch like i'm tommy cruise on a one-man mission trying to see it through